everyone to our service this morning. We're glad to see everybody here today. Uh, something new this morning is that we have the clipboards at the end of the pew. If you would take just a minute to, to fill those out, put your name on it, so we'll have a record of everyone's attendance this morning. We come together this morning to worship the Lord. Let's start our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us every day. Father, we're thankful for the church that meets here at this place. We pray that you'll bless us. We pray that you'll be with Ken as he brings the message to us this hour. May it have a the effect that he would like for it to have on us. We pray that we can grow spiritually from, from being here today. Be with us and help us to always do what's right. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The first song this morning will be number 398. 398, if you're using your book. <laughs>
Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this day and all the wonderful blessings that You will bless us with. And Father, we thank Thee that we live in a nation where we can come and worship Thee without any fear of any harm in any way. And Father, be with all those that's listed on the sick list at church and all those that need our prayers. Just bless them and help them to get better. Father, be with the elders here at the church and grant them the wisdom that they need so they can continue to make the right decision for our congregation. And be with our congregation and let us grow more spiritually and more in numbers. And Father, be with Brother Ken and, see, and bless him and his family and help him to grant him the wisdom he needs to prepare what he to tell us what he's prepared today and let him continue to do the good work that he does. And Father, forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You'll notice the prayer didn't come there. I forgot to put another song in there, so that's my fault. Uh, the next song will be on your screens only. Uh, I think we might have seen that song just once before, uh, but uh, the song is in me. In need of grace, in need of love. Oh, my Go back to the uh, one. My voice is very fast. In need of grace. Thank uh-huh. you. 
song will be number 679 for those using your books and at this time we'll sing faith is the victory if it is convenient for you to stand we ask you to stand at this time Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer for foreigners or str and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Good morning, everybody. It is terrific to see you. I hope you've had a wonderful week. And isn't it a blessing to have so much rain coming down? Yes, it is. We love it. 
God showers these blessings on us, and we cannot be more thankful. I'm especially thankful today because I have some visitors with me, and uh, you've never met my mother-in-law, Ruth. She's come all the way from West Virginia to be with us, and we're thrilled that she's here and going to be here a couple of weeks, and I hope you'll have an opportunity to visit with her for just a little bit. And also, our little grandbaby came and visited with us, Millie, and she's here, so please say hello to them. I know that we have other visitors who are with us this morning, and we're so thankful that you chose to be a part of our assembly here. Some of you perhaps are back for the first time. We've had several over previous weeks that have made their appearance, and we are very grateful that you are here as well. This morning, we are, I hope, going to satisfy parts of two prayers that were offered this morning. The desire is that we are going to accomplish something that I've already prepared my mind to express to you. We are keying off of our general theme for the year, to seek and do. We remember about Ezra in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Through the first half of this year, we've been challenging ourselves at least once a month to seek and to do in various categories. Today, we are striving to deepen our commitment but we're committing ourselves to God's purposes. So today, this lesson is primarily for the church to encourage us to be exactly the people that called us to be as he planted us here in this community of Boonville. I want you to grasp that commitment to understand God's purposes and to satisfy your part in what's being done here. If you're not a member of this church, you haven't obeyed the gospel, then I'm praying that the things we are asserting as being valuable, important to us, that those things will intrigue you. And that only, not only will you make your commitment to Jesus today, but that you will aspire to do the very same things that we're trying to do, to take God's purposes and to be committed to them together. Before we start that, Let's pray that God will bless us in this endeavor today. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that we have to assemble here today and to participate in these acts of worship. And Father, our hearts have already soared as we have sung these songs of praise and glory to you. I pray that that has just been the intention of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that as we have with one mind joined together in prayer, that we've been able to express the desires that all of us have. And now, Father, as we spend time in your word for the purpose of meditating upon it and to enjoy the spiritual realities that will come out of that study, I pray that you'll help me that I can communicate very easily and with explanation the things that I've discovered in your word. 
And I pray, Father, that those who hear these things, even, even if I fail in communication, that they'll take it because it is your word and that they'll be able to make that application even in spite of my attempts to deliver it. We thank you, Father, for this special time to be bathed with your word. And I pray that it will have tremendous benefit in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to spark in you, instill in you this, this commitment to God's purposes. And I'm just going to tell you that when God is involved in a thing, there is going to be success. But if we're going to undertake a big task, like winning souls for the Lord, if we're going to snatch souls out of Satan's grip, then we've got to have a right mindset. We've got to have a tremendous resolve of our hearts. It, I, I think about that as it's sparked by just a, a gentle little statement that's made about some reserves, a division of Reuben who had joined themselves to the battle that Deborah and Barak had enjoined. They were going against the armies that were there in Canaan, against the great armies and the tactical experience and expertise of Sisera. And I'm sure that many who looked at that thought that there was no chance for the children of Israel. But led by Deborah and Barak and backed by God Almighty. It says in Judges chapter 5 and verse 15, just, just among other things, that there was a division of Reuben that had great resolves of heart. I just... I love the phrase right there. Great resolves of heart. Here were some people that were not looking at the headlines, so to speak. We're not listening to the chatter that was going around. What they believed was becoming a reality. They believed that if God was with them, they would be victorious. And you know, if you know the story that indeed they were victorious. There was an incredible rout of the contingencies of Sisera, and Canaan was theirs. I, I just loved the story, but more than that was the outcome. A resolve of heart, a determination to commit ourselves to the purposes of God resulted in victory. Now, do you know that God's great work was not that? God's great work is the expansion of his kingdom. That is a work that you and I have joined together to participate with God in. As much as God gave victory in that one account, you can be doubly sure that God is going to give victory to those who participate in the work of the kingdom of God. And those who are subscribing to the program of God, or as we're thinking about it today, to the purposes of God. But understand, you and I, if we're going to be committed, then there are some aspects of this idea of being a part of the purposes of God that we've got to kind of thresh out today. God's purposes, for instance, 
must be grasped by us. We got to grab hold to what it is that God is planning to do with us. Now, I've already said that this is a great endeavor. God is doubly concerned with what he's doing in the kingdom of God compared with anything else that has gone before. And as pertains to us and our work, you can be sure that this is the enterprise, the winning of souls for the Lord. This is the enterprise that God is interested in us being a part of. And I love how this text especially in verses 21 and 22 of Ephesians chapter 2. I love how the text describes us. It says that we are growing into a holy temple in the Lord. We are growing into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now back up there. He did not say, boy, it is a wonderful thing to have a church where we can fellowship and, and socially interact with one another. Hey, it is a great thing. And the Bible does talk a lot about fellowship and our encouraging and building one another up. But here in this text, it is a grander plan. It is a spiritual endeavor that we are being built up into. And God is intimately involved with us in it. And as we are growing, we are growing into that holy temple. We are growing into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. You and I are more than just a social group. We are God's spiritual mechanism by which souls that are lost are going to be saved. We ought to think in a in a high-minded way about just how special the church is. Case in point is the way that the church is described in the book of Acts. Now, oftentimes when we talk about the church there, we talk about its origination or its spread from Jerusalem to other places, ultimately throughout the whole world. That's a great study. But what I want to emphasize is the spiritual connection of God being a part of that work. And no less than five times through the book of Acts, the church is referred to as the way. Now, I love that designation. The only other time I really think about the way, you know, is John 14, verse 6, where Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. Church is being referred to as the way. That is, embodied within the church was the mind of Jesus Christ. The way to the Father. That's going to come through the mechanism of, of the church. That makes sense to me. I hope it does to you. Because when I think of the church, I think of something that in God's mind was, was grand. It was transcending of any culture or any time that you might find its existence. In fact, when Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, he said that as regards that church, that the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. Not even death itself or the threat of death even would stand in the way 
of the continuing progress, the establishment and fulfillment of God's purposes in his church. Nothing was going to stand in the way of it. I think about the beautiful descriptions that are given as it is established on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And again, of God's hand in its development. We hear the gospel preached. We hear in Peter's sermon the emphasis on Jesus as the Christ of his death, his burial, his resurrection, of the effect that it had on that crowd so that they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? of the gospel that was presented to them, that they needed to repent and be baptized. But God's work in that is so beautifully manifested in verse 41, where it says that those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So when they heard the message, they responded to it. Yes, they obeyed the gospel. They were baptized, about 3,000 of them, but it doesn't stop there. It wasn't just the, the quote-unquote joining of oneself to a great movement. It was more than that because this text says that the Lord was involved in that process. And more specifically, verse 47, it says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Yeah, it was a spiritual act that was taking place, the transformation of a person from death to life, from darkness to light, but it was God manifesting His purpose in individuals who believed that Jesus had died for them, had obeyed the gospel, and now they're part of something much bigger. Not just their own salvation, but being a part of a work that would reach out well, to the whole world. I also like the way that it's described in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. That it is the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. There's no doubt about it that if, if I'm going to be a part of God's purposes related to that church, then God's purposes must be grasped. I've got, I've got to appreciate what it is that I'm a part of. And then once I'm able to grasp that, there are some certain aspects of these purposes that I've got to have clear in my mind. So exactly, exactly what is it that I'm participating in? Well, one is the thing that you benefited from from the very beginning. And that is someone spoke or, or they preached the gospel to you. You heard that gospel and you responded to it. When you did, then the very same thing that happened to those who responded to it on the day of Pentecost happened to you. The Lord added you to the church. He does that because you've been saved in obedience to the gospel. He transformed you into something different, a part of the body of Jesus Christ. So then we go as has been commissioned originally to the apostles, so we've taken that responsibility to ourselves. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and following, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Jesus gave the great commission to those apostles. And boy, they went after that work. The same kind of statement is made in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. You go preach the gospel. They have an opportunity to respond, to be saved, to be added to the church, to become part of this greater work, the salvation of all mankind. You go and do that. And those who did obey that gospel still felt the responsibility upon their shoulders. You would think that once that church was established there in Jerusalem, with the apostles present, other strong members that... Maybe some others would back off and just not participate, just kind of be hangers on. But once persecution struck and the church was dispersed throughout the known world, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, the Bible says that they went everywhere preaching the word. Not just a few select individuals, but he's talking about everybody. Everybody felt a sense of responsibility to go out there and to share that gospel with somebody, to replicate what had happened in themselves in somebody else. So we go and we preach the gospel as a part of our purpose. God's purpose is also clear in the sense that not only are we preaching the gospel to those who are lost, we're also trying to teach those who have already been saved. You'll notice in that same text from Matthew chapter 28, not only were the apostles to preach that gospel and then to replicate themselves. But he says, you're teaching them, that is those who become disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Well, right there on the spot was a command, right? Go and preach the gospel. You make disciples. Okay, well, then is, is that something I should do too? Well, if he was teaching them all things that they'd been commanded to do, absolutely. Just as much as they were taught to go and spread that gospel, so we too. Paul told Timothy that his outlook was good, but it wasn't final. Timothy was just one cog and a much larger gear work of God throughout time for the presentation of the gospel. So Paul prepares him this way in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And on and on and on. Now work with your mind. Go generation after generation. Eventually, where does that go? Comes right here. And now it is as though Paul says to me, he says to you, you also take that gospel and preach that to someone who's faithful. You assure, you take the responsibility, you be committed to God's purposes, such that you will see to it that the next generation is also taught that saving gospel. You and I also see to it that we uphold and we defend the truth. So 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, he told him you're going to replicate that, in verses 3 and 4, he says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Well, who enlisted us? 
You know, I heard the, heard the truth about Jesus dying for me on the cross. I was moved to obey that gospel. I was cut in the heart. I recognized there's no other way to have my sins forgiven than with the blood of Jesus. And now that I am, if you will, enlisted in this work of saving souls, then I want to please him. I want Jesus to be happy with the way that I'm conducting myself to see to it that others are led to the truth. Even in the, the preaching of the gospel itself, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he told him to preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Well, why do you need the longsuffering? Why do you need the sense of this isn't just an immediate cure, but that many times I'm going to spend time, be very patient and long-suffering with people in the presentation of that truth. The reason why is because we're dealing with a soul whose results are going to affect their eternity. So I'm committed no matter what the season of life or the circumstances that prevail to see to it that the best approach or the best effort, at least as is within my ability or capability, is presented so that a soul can be saved. I'm going to lift them up and I'm going to proclaim the truth. I'm going to defend it against those who might teach otherwise. I'm also going to be a part of what builds up the body. So as we're joined together as one body, uh, the church, as we become that, that means of spiritual essence that God was talking about, the holy temple, the dwelling place of God, as we're becoming that, we're being bound together, right? We're becoming one. And so I'm concerned about your progress and you ought to be concerned about mine. And we love one another to the extent that we're going to see to it that we lift one another up. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. We're putting other people ahead of ourselves. Say, who's number one? You are. <laughs> who's number one? I'm looking at somebody else. I want to be a part of building them up just as much as I'm expecting them to be there to build me up. And then, you know, Maybe the most beautiful thing, when, when I come in this building, even when it's sparsely populated at the early hours, I think how beautiful this is. How beautiful it is to meet a few gentlemen in the back. Smiles, handshakes, pat on the back. How beautiful it is to see people walking in with the intention of worshiping God with me. How beautiful it is to know that those bodies possess within them a soul and an eternal spirit that has been committed to serving Jesus, just like I've committed myself. There is something about our being together, our fellowship with one another. And in communion with one another, we ought to be instilling through Bible classes or just casual speech 
the development of our character, of the people that we are, so that as we are prepared to walk through those doors and to work on that commission that God has given us, that we are well prepared to do so. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. Finally, brethren, giving all diligence, add your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in, into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what I'd like to think. I'd like to think that our association together is going to be such, especially with a lifetime of that association, that when that day arrives, that, that I leave this life and I enter into e eternity, that it is as though because of our commitment, our faithfulness to the Lord, our continued growing in these beautiful characteristics of the Christian life, that we just, we just throw open the gates of heaven and walk into that place having been expected because of the development of these things, not, not just singularly, but the result of our fellowship, our oneness with one another. Listen, our, our fulfilling, our being committed to God's purposes, th those things have to be clear in us. God's purposes also have to be clear in the sense of our commitment in terms of our belief. God's purposes must be be absolutely believed. So you believe it. <laughs> you know, okay, I've signed on, I've obeyed the gospel. I'm all in on this thing. And I believe, I absolutely believe that God is going to give us success. Not because we are ingenious, not because we have some program that nobody else has ever thought of in the millennia of time that the church has existed. No. It's not that. It is because we believe that God will give the success. In fact, perhaps even despite our efforts, if we are with God, we are going to have the success. I know that we are. Moses believed it. Even though he offered up so many excuses and got off terribly on the wrong foot, still God gave him success against the most powerful leader of his time, Pharaoh, who considered himself to be a god. Moses believed it, and God gave the success. That was true also for a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon led God's people, 300, <laughs> against a Midianite army that was numberless. But Gideon believed God. Gideon believed it, and God gave the success. David. David believed that God could defeat a giant that stood before him. He believed that God could defeat that giant, not with a sword and with a shield and with an armor bearer, but with a sling and a stone. 
He believed it. And it was so. The same is true with a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah got to the place in his life at one point where he thought he was the only one still faithful to God. But he stood, because he believed in God, against the 450 prophets of Baal. And you know what? He had victory. He had victory because he believed success was his. God is with me. And listen here. You and I, we will absolutely have success no matter what we have in our hands. Even if we have the least amount of capability, the least amount of resources, if God is with us, He will, He absolutely will give us victory. We are going to accomplish His purposes. I know that that's true. I hear people tout this verse all the time. And I wonder, do you really believe this? You know, Philippians 4 verse 13 we, I, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do I believe that? I, I believe it on a meme when I put it on Facebook. You know, it looks good on one of those plaques in the house. Boy, what a tribute to my faith. But do I have that faith? Do I really trust that God is going to give me victory in the battles that I fight for him? Is God going to give me success like he gave Moses over Pharaoh? Yes. The very same mechanism that God has used in every kind of success throughout all of time is the very same mechanism that he will use in you. And God can make you an incredible and powerful force for good. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. Often skipped when we talk about the Great Commission. But Jesus said, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And don't leave off that amen part right there. That means so be it. This is, this is as strong a point as I can make. You go and you preach that gospel. You go and involve yourself in saving souls. I'm telling you, Jesus says... I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There is no time that exists or ever will be that I'm not with you in this endeavor. I'm going to give you success. I promise it. So be it. It's like that text from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me? Well, that's a rhetorical question, of course, because it's already figured out. It's already summed up. I'm going to have victory. I'm going to have success. Man can't stop it. Cannot stop it. God's purposes also must be sustained. Okay, here's, I'm just going to tell you, kicking a thing off isn't a big deal. A lot of people want to get on the bandwagon when something starts. Keeping it going. Sustaining it. That's the hard part. You know, after Paul had encouraged the Corinthians concerning the truth about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then describing the aftermath and the beauty of the transformation that will occur and of our victory 
over spiritual foes, ultimately over death itself. He says, right now, right now, you're not doing that part. That's coming and that's assured and that's a no-brainer. That's a done deal. But until such time as that happens, be steadfast, verse 58, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do not stop. Sustain. Get to be a part of God's purposes and don't give up on it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. Did you hear that? We shall reap. If we don't lose heart, whose fault is it if we don't reap? We gave up. That's my fault. God said, don't stop. Maybe you've heard of this. If, if you're in the business world, I'm sure if you haven't heard it, you've experienced it. You know, a project gets started and man, we get fired up about it. We're enthusiastic. Yeah, we're going to do it. And it isn't very long before there is disillusionment. What have we done? What were we thinking? And then there's panic. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And so those who are panicky then start looking for people to blame. Who started this? Who got this thing going? And then they're going to punish the very people who weren't even involved or who had no participation in the negative aspects, the innocent. And then finally, oh, there's praise and there's glory for those who were non-participants. You know, that happens all the time. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Can we have some volunteers? Yeah, I'll do it. Boy, that sounds like a good thing. And it's like, what have we done? Oh, no. And then before you know it, the very people that had the mindset, the vision, the idea, I'm going to accomplish the mission of God. I'm a part of God's purposes. I'm never going to stop. But they're surrounded by people who just totally give up. And then want to start pointing fingers and blaming at those who had the wherewithal to kick up something and go. And here's the thing about God. You know, we can come up with all kinds of ideas. But if the essence of it is the accomplishment of the will of God, the saving of a soul, God's going to give success. He's going to give victory. It's guaranteed. Well, here's the thing. We need to get fired up about what we do for the kingdom of God. There's no doubt about it, but I'll just be real with you. If I lived 10,000 times 10,000 lifetimes, absolutely committed to the work of God, I still by myself would not be able to accomplish it. All of us working together, as hard as we can go, with God's help, can have success. But we've got to commit ourselves to that. We've got to understand God's purposes. We've got to grasp it. We've got to be clear on it, understand our part. We've got to believe it. And then we've got to sustain it. Don't give up on it. Through the good times and the, the difficult ones. Make our commitment and stick to it. I love... Isaiah 40, verse 31. Many of you have that as a plaque in your house too. It says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord. I'm, I'm afraid many people think waiting here in this text must mean just sit and wait on something. You know, Lord, when you finally call me to it, I'm ready. That's not what he's saying. In fact, the word wait there literally means with expectation. It is my hope. Those who wait, those who, those who hope in the Lord, those whose expectations are in the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In other words, God is going to be with me. I'm not sitting around waiting for it to happen. He's already called me to that work. So what am I doing? I need to be busy about the work of God. As a church in this community, we've already received our calling. God has already guaranteed success. The only thing lacking is us just rising up and taking it. Let's do that, right? Let's do it. If you're a child of God today, you've fallen down, need encouragement, you're ready to get back in it, but please pray for me, then today affords you an opportunity. Let us know that. Let us rally around you. So many of us, just we want to see this church grow not from the standpoint of numbers, but numbers reflect souls saved. We want to see souls saved. Let's do that. Let's commit ourselves today to that purpose. If you're not a child of God today, you are our goal. We want to encourage and build you up so that you will believe what we believe. You will understand the precious benefit that comes from the blood of Jesus. You'll have your sins washed away. And you will rise in newness of life. Obey the gospel. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing?
Supper will sing the breaking of bread. Somebody will bring them to you.
going to read this morning as we as disciples of Christ remember that great sacrifice. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Would you bow with me, please? Our most holy and gracious Heavenly Father, as we have prepared our hearts and come before you on the bended knees of those hearts, thanking you for your Son, Jesus, for his sacrifice, and as we proclaim and remember that sacrifice, that through his sacrifice in his death, we have redemption. Father, may we partake of this and remember that and worship and praise and live accordingly. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we continue before you, we remember this cup. We take this cup and we remember the blood that it represents. The blood through whom and through which we have forgiveness. And we are thankful for that blood. And may we understand that that blood is spiritual. And may we continue to live our lives so that that blood will cleanse us each day. May we partake of this in remembrance and in thanksgiving. In Jesus we pray. Amen. We also, as you have become accustomed, uh, have the opportunity to, uh, as we are commanded, to give of our means. And there are many ways that you now are familiar to do that. Uh, let's offer thanks at this time for the blessings with which he has blessed us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for blessing us with the many things that we have. Forgive us when we take them for granted. Forgive us when we forget that the blessings with which you bless us, the things you give us, they are intended for one purpose, and that is to glorify and serve you. Thank you for being so very good to us. Help us to give so that the work, as we should, so that the work of your kingdom will continue. In your son's name, amen. Okay, now before we have uh, some announcements, I have one. Uh, I'd like to make a couple of... First thing, I would like to uh, say this. I didn't tell Jordan I was going to do this, but I want to commend... Um, I want you to know that your hard work and your prayers, uh, God answers those. Uh, our young people are to be commended, those who went to Horizons and, and Jordan for his work in that, because I had a conversation with someone uh, about Maywood just recently, and first thing out of his mouth was, hey, you know what? I had two of your Boonville kids in a group at uh, Horizons. Uh, and when someone mentions that of their own accord and talks about how impressed 
you know, impression, a positive impression that's made on them uh, by uh, kids that are associated with your church family, that says a lot about uh, God's work in your church family. Um, okay, very quickly, uh, the our session, session eight of Maywood Christian Camp, May 21st, May, May, goodness, that would be, that would be wrong. Wow. Thank you. July the 25th uh, through the 31st, um, you may need to make this. Um, uh, if you're riding the bus, there's a list in the back. If you're riding the bus either down there or back, if you need to. If you don't, that's fine. But if you are, please sign that list for both down and back. I know that seems strange to you, but it has happened in the past that uh, the bus was semi-empty going down. And then there were, uh, not our bus, but I've seen other buses with kids in their luggage standing outside a overpacked bus saying, how am I getting home? So if you'll sign that so we can make sure we've got uh, transportation. And I need someone to do a service. I need someone to volunteer to drive that bus down on Sunday the 25th and come back on the 31st or someone else volunteer to come back and pick them up. If you can do that, that would help. It, it is a dangerous thing. Okay, Chris is volunteering. Uh, thank you. I thought you were volunteering. Him. Okay. Uh, so thank you, Chris, for doing that. Uh, wait a minute. I'm not finished. Um, um, if you are going to Maywood and you haven't registered yet, please do that ASAP so I can add you and text me so I can add you to my list. There are a couple of needs that we have that I'd like uh, to ask you about. If you like to bake and you would like to share those uh, blessings, if you're willing to bake um, either home, we'd like to be able to provide something homemade, homemade cookies or unfrosted cakes um, of any kind. If you would like to do that and leave them in the annex by uh, noon on Saturday the 24th so we can get them there, we'd appreciate it. Unfrosted because um, the frosting sometimes doesn't survive the trip. Uh, so if you'll do that. And one last request, if you have a need, don't complain, I'm not the one that's drawing this out. Um, if you have a uh, desire and you can, we always have a need, it costs $180 to, for a child to go to camp. Our congregation is very uh, blessed and uh, helps out in that regard, but there are many who don't have that option. And there are often needs that come up. It's not unheard of for us to have to go and buy things for campers who, who come without um, because they simply don't have. If you have a desire to help with that uh, financially, uh, it would go toward those needs to our uh, 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 sponsorship and need fund. My turn. <laughs> Real quick, uh, a couple things. Uh, singing in the park will be tonight. If it's raining, they'll move it indoors. We'll still have it. We'll leave at 6.15 after Bible class. If you are going on our trip that we're leaving for Saturday, going to the ark and going to, the, to rafting, we're going to meet right after this in the little chapel back there. Thank you. Morning. We had 257 this morning. 
the Golden Circle will have their luncheon this coming Tuesday, the 13th at 1130 in the Annex. Stella Pittman is still in the ICU in Tupelo. She is feeling better and improving. Please keep her in your prayers. And then uh, Brenda Taylor will have surgery in the morning on a partial knee replacement in Tupelo. Keep her in your prayers. Also, we invite everyone for our uh, fellowship meal right after the closing prayer this morning. So please stay. And I will be brief. I have a congregational update uh, that I'd like to bring to the congregation this morning. At the very beginning of the year, Brother Jim Estes just uh, informed the eldership that he would be retiring as of June the 30th of this year, and that has happened. We began talking about our needs for the congregation as we come out from under COVID. We believe that we have a tremendous opportunity to make a difference in our community. One of the things that we are looking at is to replace Brother Jim with a full-time associate involvement minister that would be here to work with the congregation. In connection with that, we have appointed a committee that uh, has been searching. Uh, so far, they've brought two names to the, to the eldership, and we've had two people to come in that we've had an opportunity to talk to that's reviewed what's going on in the church here, looking at all of the activities we have. We are actively looking at this time. You may ask, what role would he have? First of all, let me tell you what he's not, what, what role we're not looking to fill. The Lord has blessed us here in Boonville. You won't find a better minister than Ken Forrest. And we are so blessed to have him. We're not looking for somebody to replace Ken. We have one of the best preachers in the brotherhood. We're not looking to replace some of our part-time people, such as uh, Jordan or Stephen Hodgen or Bo Gross, but we're looking for somebody that can help them, that can work with them and make a difference. What we are looking for is somebody that will lead our Golden Circle ministry, we're looking for somebody that can be here, have office hours, and help in our benevolence. We have people come through just about every week that are looking for help, and we're looking for somebody that can help us there. But more important than any one of these, we're looking for someone that can help in being a leader in evangelizing Boonville. If you've noticed the sermons that Ken has been preaching and the lessons that Stephen has been presenting, we're talking a lot about evangelism. I believe that it's time for the congregation here to step out in faith 
and make a true commitment to go out and to evangelize in our community. But we're also looking for someone that can lead a mission team to go to a small congregation somewhere in Mississippi and conduct mission meetings, vacation Bible schools, and things of that nature. The next item on our list is we're looking for someone to, uh, to manage our correspondence courses follow-up. That should also include our jail ministry. When we get our jail ministry back up and running after COVID, we baptize a lot of people in the jail ministry, but we never see them after they get out. We want to have an have a means to track those people to make sure that someone goes and sees them and give them an opportunity to be here with us and to be part of the congregation and not just somebody that was baptized and forgotten about. We also are looking for someone that would be in charge of a jail ministry and also nursing home uh, coordination whenever we're able to get back into that. We're looking for somebody that can help us in visiting all of those in our, all of our members that can encourage us, that can help in leadership development. We want someone that can help develop deacons, help develop elders. We're looking to the future and this person should be a person that can help us, help us to be a greater congregation. We also want someone that can look at our program that we have, evaluate what's working, what's not working, and help us in determining what's the next step that we need to take. And of course, we're looking for somebody that can teach an adult Bible class. We are looking for the right person that's going to come here to help us grow. We believe the time is right. And we're willing to step out on faith to help this congregation to grow numerically as well as grow spiritually. And we ask for you to Pray for us that we can find the right person. If you would, bow with me as we close. Father, we're thankful for this congregation. And we pray that we can be looked at as that light, that city that's found on the hill, that's shining its light throughout this community. Father, help us as we are looking for the right person that will be here to help us. And Father, we pray that you will always help us to do what's right in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.